0: Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. I'm Dr. Li a board certified sleep specialist. Let's talk about one very harmful sleep disorder today, sleep apnea. If we snore during sleep, it's definitely not normal. And we should consider doing an overnight sleep study to figure out what's going on. Okay, how to do a sleep study? There are two major ways. You can either sleep in a sleep lab, with a lot of wears on you overnight or you can take a very simple test device home and wear it during sleep for one night so i did a home sleep study myself many years ago in episode 40 dr kosla compared in-lab sleep study and home sleep study let's review her thoughts on that I know it's type of treatment, and you mentioned sometimes it takes very long time for people to get diagnosed, get the right treatment. And some guests I interviewed on my podcast before, they had similar problem. Took their, took them like years, like some of them around ten years or more than ten years to get to get a diagnose, mm-hmm. and so. I know one common way to be diagnosed with sleep apnea, for example, is sleep testing and uh, to to be in the lab or there are other ways, right? Mm -hmm. What's the barrier for people to get diagnosed?
1: You know, I think so much of it depends on whether it's on your radar or not. So if what we've seen is that especially as women, women can be underdiagnosed because we don't necessarily have the same symptoms as men you know, the guys all like they read the book, right? So Mm -hmm. they gasp and choke and turn blue and their bed partner says, honey, you need to go in. Mm -hmm. Whereas for women, we sometimes are a little bit more subtle and we have more apnea maybe in, you know, later in the night when our bed partners are asleep and, and maybe we have insomnia rather than hypersomnolence. And so a lot of the time as women, we get treated for the hypertension and the depression um, rather than the sleep apnea that might explain all of it. And so I think that has been, you know, you have to be able to think of it before you can diagnose it. Um, The other limitation I think has been testing. Mm -hmm. So you're you're right. We've always had this in-lab test, which is a great test, but it is you know, it's a lot of wires and you have to come in and be away from your family and there's Mm -hmm. costs associated with it. Um, There's a home sleep apnea test that, which is kind of nice that you can do it at home. Uh, So if you ask the question, is a home sleep apnea test as good as an in-lab study, the answer is no. Mm. But if you ask the question, is home sleep apnea testing good enough for regular obstructive sleep apnea? The answer is yes, with, a, with an asterisk, right? So if we, if we catch it at home, great. But most of the tests that we use at home don't, um, they can't tell if you're awake or asleep. And so then you won't have sleep apnea if you are awake. And so then the numbers get watered down. Mm. And so one of the things that we've been trying to do is, you know, so forever, we have really been trying to um, show people that sleep is really, really important, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's been this cultural shift, I think, where uh, we used to be very proud of staying up all night, right? It was this badge of honor. (laughs) And now people are really making it this cool thing that, Hey, this is my eye mask and I'm going to go to bed now. And this is my bedroom. And look how great it is for sleep. They're really making that more important, which I love. (laughs) They've made it very glamorous now to just go to sleep. Um, And so part of that, I think is that we have this heightened awareness of the importance of sleep. And I think we owe it to our patients to make it easier to get tested So a lot of testing is in the home now. Uh, One thing that we have been trying to do is make it even more accessible. You know, Mm. one of the bottlenecks is, well, you have to go to your doctor and you have to get a referral and you have to do this and you have to do that. (laughs) So, you know, people get tired, Uh right? They don't want to make 10 trips to do one thing. And so we're trying to figure out how we can improve sleep health. And so we know from various studies that 80% of sleep apnea is undiagnosed. I mean, that's huge. That's a very high number. <laughs> it's very <laughs> high. And, and I think a lot of the time people are like, yeah, I probably have sleep apnea, but I don't want to receive pap and I don't really care. And so I think it's a matter of showing them that, well, sleep apnea actually is an important thing. It's more than just snoring right? And these are the things that can happen to you. And how can we make it easier for you? You know, treatment doesn't have to be a CPAP, right? There's lots of ways we can treat sleep apnea. Let's find something that works for you, right? Let's try to figure it out. So if you look at, and this is something that we're, you know, everyone's talking about, but there hasn't been really good data yet. But if you look at the patients in New York with COVID, Mm -hmm. the top three uh, populations of people who didn't do well, diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. That's kind of the trifecta of obstructive sleep apnea. Mm. And if you, if you factor in 80% of those are probably undiagnosed, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Is
1: sleep apnea playing a role in why people aren't doing well? I mean, we know sleep's important for our immune system. We know that sleep apnea has this inflammatory component Right. So is this part of it? So so then, of course, we bring it back to our family members. Right. And so my mom's on a CPAP and I'm very, (laughs) very careful to make sure that she stays healthy. And, you know, my my brother delivers groceries to her. My mom and my brother both live in Canada, where I'm where I'm from. Um, and, And my mom's a family practice doctor. And I've been teaching her how to do telemedicine because I don't really want her to go physically see patients and you know, oh, see. like, mom, make sure you clean your CPAP. Mom, make sure you wash your hands before you touch your CPAP, you know, like all of these things, right? <laughs> right. And so we're, we're trying to do that to our patients too. You mm. know, with COVID, we've had to shut down the lab. Mm. And, and, and so this has been really hard because we know that sleep apnea is really, really important to diagnose and treat. But we also want to keep patients and our staff safe. So it's kind of funny. We've done a crazy amount of, of things to try to do that. Um, and if I showed you all of the documentation and all of the plans that we've had, you would, you would laugh ah. <laughs> because it's, it's really, we've got so many different versions because things change all the time, right. right? So I'll send out an update, you know, to my colleagues and I swear, as soon as I hit send, some other article will pop up. Oh, no. <laughs> and, so, and so now we, we have, so I, I wear different hats in my life. So I've got my, my clinic hat in Fargo, but then I'm also a medical advisor for a larger um, company called Medbridge Healthcare and they do sleep testing across the country. And so then we're having to look at, you know, the lab in New York, for example, and in North Carolina and in the Dakotas. And in Minnesota and in Iowa, like what, Mm -hmm. you know, what can we do differently and how do we figure this out overall as a company to keep everybody safe when there's so much variability, you know, in the region. So we we kind of always go back to, okay, would I put my mom in the lab, right? As a patient Mm -hmm. or as a tech. And so we have PPE for our techs. We screen our patients twice we screen our staff. <laughs> we, wow. have, we have we well, we took so our labs used to be really really pretty, you know, like <laughs> really pretty. They look like hotel rooms, just beautiful right. labs. Uh-huh. We took all of that sort of pretty stuff out, like yeah. all the little like the clocks and the you know the little decorative things. We took it all out because we didn't want that to be a source of infection. Uh, and then we're really picky about who gets into the lab. Uh, and we look, we, <laughs> we have this ability, uh, there's a website that lets you look at coronavirus per county, uh, yeah. and then you can look to see whether it's going up or going down, uh, and whether it's fast or slow or whatever. And so then we kind of make a plan for that lab in that county according to what's happening. And then wow. we have these boxes that we invested in, these um, UV boxes, and so then our techs can uh, disinfect their phones and their keys, you know, whatever and the rooms are all swept down, and, and the, uh, we have mattress covers that are wipeable, and pillowcases that are wipeable, and you know, all of these things. And we have viral filters in there, and we have closed circuits. I mean, it's unbelievable, <laughs> all of these things that we're, we're trying to come up with just to keep people safe. Uh, and, and also, we're just not... You know, we're, we're converting as many people to home testing as we can. We're using disposable equipment. I mean, this whole thing has really upended our, our, our sleep world. And yeah. so we still feel this obligation, right? Like you still uh-huh. have to take care of your patients and you still right. have to protect your staff. And if we're going to be dealing with this for 18 months, we better figure out how to do it well.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. A lot of detailed, really detailed you all have to manage and pay attention to especially when it's like nationwide different Mm -hmm. locations that's a lot of work but at the same time uh, i think as potential patients when they're hearing all these steps when they can see all these changes they do feel safer
1: i hope so because you know that's our goal that so so at first the easy thing to do was just say oh we got to shut everything down and i was Mm -hmm. talking to a friend of mine and he, he made me th- look at it differently. So he had a patient who was young-ish, right, sort of mid-40s, I think, or something, who was supposed to come in for sleep study. And because of COVID, he didn't get to come in. He didn't get to come in. He didn't get to come in. He got delayed, delayed, delayed. And when he finally came, um, his oxygen level was so low, they sent him to the ICU. Oh, wow. And so, and so he was upset because, you know, he's saying, you guys were not, you know, this is not right either. Mm. And I said, well, you're right. It's not right. So we have to figure out who, you know, we have to sort of do that assessment of it's really important for this guy to get in, whereas this guy can probably wait, right? Or maybe mm-hmm. this guy, we can start on CPAP without a test. Um, but I don't know, Right. We're doing all telemedicine, for example, like we just shut down our clinic and I see patients, you know, via telemedicine now. And so that's been a change. I mean, I've done telemedicine for 10 years, but I've never been able to do it in someone's home. We always did it from our clinic to someone else's clinic. Right. Mm. And so this is, it's familiar, but it's still different when you have, have it in patients homes. Uh, So that's been interesting, you know, and I think above all, we all just, you know, you have to do what's right for your patient. Like that's all it, that's what it comes down to. You just have to do right by your patient.
0: Yeah, and because sleep apnea or different sleep disorders can still be very um, severe and can lead to like really bad health consequences. So that's another level of
1: um, safety. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, I mean, you don't want, sleep apnea, you're right, it it does cause you know, stroke and high blood pressure and diabetes and memory problems and all of that. So it is really important to treat. So when you, you know, on paper, when the CDC says, okay, well, this is an essential service and this is not an essential service. I mean, I I get it. You know, getting your, your toenail removed is probably not super emergent and having your heart attack that's emergent. That's really, really clear. But I think what's less clear is this sort of middle ground that, okay, today your sleep apnea is probably not going to kill you. But Mm -hmm. if we wait two years, (laughs) you know, we probably, that's not great either. And so there has to be middle ground. And how can we do this safely for everybody involved? I think that's a huge concern. And it's definitely not sleep only.
0: Let's take a break and bring on our sponsor by 2 or 3 p.m. Are you so sleepy that you cannot focus? Are you tired of getting through the day drinking coffee? Are you worried how your poor sleep may impact your health? Check out my insomnia treatment course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Okay, now we are back. How do we know when to get a checkup for sleep disorders including sleep apnea? Next, we will have Dr. Rammer from episode 98, sharing some warning signs and symptoms that we could look out for. So how come there's so many people have no idea they have such a sleep disorder? Do they just think they sleep wonderfully?
2: That's a good question. It's very possible that people, uh, and I think we all know this, people end up assuming that snoring is normal when we know for sure that snoring is not normal because snoring, as we just talked about, usually happens because there's narrowing of the airway. And when you have narrowing of the airway, it creates turbulent flow uh, when the air from outside tries to get to the lung. And this turbulence is usually what tends to produce snoring. When people do snore in the good old days, I still remember people used to say, "Oh yeah, uh, my kid snores, my dad snores, so that's why I'm snoring." And they assume that this is all normal and it's okay to uh, to snore. Now we know clearly that that's one of the symptoms of obstructive uh, sleep apnea. The other possibility, uh, in terms of why it's undiagnosed, is because uh, people tend to normalize their symptoms. So one of the consequences of untreated obstructive sleep apnea is feeling tired, fatigued, sleepy during the daytime. So some people might end up taking naps during the daytime. Some people might accidentally doze off while reading a book or even worse, while driving a car when they're waiting in front of a traffic light. When they tend to normalize these symptoms, then they don't tend to seek attention as one should be to figure out what's happening the awareness of unintended consequences of not treating sleep apnea is not clearly understood. So for example, when sleep apnea is not treated, it can lead to higher risk of strokes, heart attacks, irregular heartbeat. And when people don't realize the importance of recognizing that and treating the sleep apnea, then they may not look to seek attention or to address the snoring.
0: So the, a lot of uh, listeners may ask us, how can they catch some warning signs on their own, right? How do they know they may need to consider to consult with a sleep doctor or some specialist to understand whether they need a checkup?
2: So I'll start off with uh, something that we talked about as well: snoring. So in fact, uh, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine just conducted a survey and found out that about nearly 70% of the Americans who sleep with a bed partner report that their partner actually snores while sleeping. Not everyone who snores has obstructive sleep apnea. Most, if not all, who have sleep apnea have snoring. So if you do have snoring, and maybe some associated symptoms of feeling tired, fatigued, sleepy during the daytime, I think it's very important to seek out help and uh, evaluate this further to see if this could be an undiagnosed obstructive sleep apnea that needs treatment. So number one is snoring. Number two is to look for other symptoms such as choking or gasping episodes during sleep. So sometimes the bed partners might say that, oh, I've heard my bed partner choke or gasp for air in the middle of the night. And sometimes the patients themselves could might have realized that they have those symptoms, particularly during the afternoon when they take a nap, as they are falling asleep, they might snort and wake up in the middle middle of their nap or during the middle of their sleep. If they do have that, then that's again a very high uh, likelihood that the patients may have obstructive sleep apnea and might need to seek diagnosis and treatment. The third symptom is fatigue or daytime sleepiness. Various reasons why somebody might be feeling sleepy or tired or fatigued during the daytime, one of the common symptoms of undiagnosed obstructive sleep apnea is feeling tired and uh, sleepy during the daytime. So if you have snoring along with that or gasping episodes along with daytime sleepiness and fatigue, maybe time to seek some help to see what's going on out there. Obesity, though not everyone who has obesity has obstructive sleep apnea. Obesity is a big risk factor for sleep apnea. So if there is a person who has snoring and is also obese, then it's always a good idea to screen and check to see if that patient might be having obstructive sleep apnea. The other couple of signs to keep in mind are high blood pressure. So if somebody's taking medications for high blood pressure to control their blood pressure and they also snore, then it might be a good idea to look for sleep apnea because sometimes treating obstructive sleep apnea tends to help with that blood pressure control, even better too. Uh, and if they're feeling they're not getting enough refreshed sleep at night, or they are waking up periodically during the night to go to the bathroom and are having difficulty falling back to sleep when they come back, these are some of the other symptoms that this could represent an undiagnosed obstructive sleep apnea. So if you have any or all, some or all of these symptoms, it, it might be helpful to seek uh, someone with expertise in sleep medicine To evaluate the spot.
0: Oh, wow. So these are wonderful, you know, list, I think, checklist for our audience. They can go one by one. And sounds like they don't have to have all of this, right? If they have one of this or multiple of these symptoms, it should be a strong enough signal.
2: Absolutely. I think you're right. For example, if you just have snoring alone and it's been getting worse, uh, I think it's a good idea to get that checked out or if you have snoring and choking episodes then you're very likely to have an undiagnosed apnea.
0: okay hope you liked today's episode if you like this kind of summary and highlight of previous episode leave me a Comment, let me know, so I can make more of those once a while in the future. If you are looking for sleep resources, sleep doctors, sleep centers, you can find all this information on this resource page I put together at deepintosleep.co. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Yishan. I will see you next time. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you.
1: Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there are so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.